Hello and welcome back to Love at First Screening, the show where I, rom-com enthusiast Madison, introduce my friend, co-host, and resident genre skeptic Chelsea. That's me. To all the feel-good, cliche, romantic, questionable, hilarious, occasionally humorous, films she's never wanted to watch. Well, Chelsea, um... Before we really dive in to everything, we have someone else in our recording studio today. Where? She's in the box to the left of you. You know, I'm on your right. If you look mm. over to your left, but she's I have a window in- on that side. Oh, okay. Okay. Is there any way to like push open the flaps of the box? I know it'll alter your sound quality. And the studio will get really mad, but just so you get a little visual contact. Mm-mm. Ah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So the beauty that you see before you uh, is our new guest to the pod, Nia. Hello. <laughs> and Nia, we brought you on today because we have a rule on the pod that if both of us have seen the movie... We have to bring on someone who hasn't. And so, well, you haven't seen this. Not until recently. (laughs) And we'll get into if you liked it, if you hated it, if you even considered it a rom-com. That's all to come. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your introduction to rom-coms? Do you hate them like some people? Do you love them like others? Are you neutral? And how'd you come to that conclusion? I would say that I've always pretty much liked rom-coms. My mom is a really big fan. And I grew up watching like all the the classic rom-coms and some of the not so classics. Um, (laughs) Can I say like my favorite ones? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I love like the mystical, like sort of like, I don't know, like Princess Bride and like Enchanted, like the, the mm. princess vibe. Um, but I also love like 13 Going on 30 and Clueless. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm kind of, yeah. <laughs> and Nia, I know that you keep up with every episode of this podcast as we release it because you're secretly our biggest fan. So I know <laughs> that you obviously listen to our coverage of Clueless where it was unfortunately decided that it doesn't count as a rom-com, but I'm jotting oh. down notes as we speak of the others that you listed so we can decide as professionals okay. if they actually count. Okay. If we rule them all out, it means you don't enjoy rom-coms. I'm sorry. I'm... No, it's fine. Okay. I actually don't think anyone enjoys rom-coms, and that's <laughs> sort of why we have this <laughs> podcast. That's why I agreed to be here anyway. I, I think that they're not actually romantic comedies. And anything that is a romantic comedy is absolute crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Chelsea, um, you know, normally I would guess if you liked this. But you've seen this. So I care more about Nia's opinion today. So Nia, we're going to guess, based on what you just told us, if you liked this movie. Okay. I am going to go first because I almost never get to do this Um, (laughs) as usually I've not seen the movie, 
Uh, I think that based on what you just said, as mm-hmm. I have only known you for like six minutes now, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think I think you liked it. I think uh, it has a mystical element to it. There's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a little bit of magic mm-hmm. and it has a royal element to it. He is a duke. Uh, and so, you know, um, yeah, but Chelsea, he's a duke in America. That means nothing here. Well, yeah, but he's here to find a wife, and then he's going to take her back to Albany. True. True. But not Albany, New York. Albany in England. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so confusing. You know I know nothing about geography. So, yeah. So, my 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 guess is that you liked it. Madison? Oh, I concur. I think that she quite enjoyed it. I feel like Hugh Grant is what... Uh, not Hugh Grant. Oh, no, Hugh Jackman. Very, Wrong Hugh Jackman. Con- you know what? I was what? very confused when you said Hugh Grant. Who are you? <laughs> I know. I have Hugh Grant on the brain for different reasons. I was listening mm. to the music and lyrics soundtrack on my way home today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to admit that on the air. Um, <laughs> but no, huge Ackman. You know, like a regular Ackman, but larger. Right. Um, I think he really sealed the deal for you because in my heart of hearts, for some reason, I feel like you really enjoy the greatest showman. (laughs) And so I feel like you were like, wow, mysticism, romance, a really big Ackman (laughs) sealed. Um, You would be correct. I did really enjoy it, Uh, but I never really found Hugh Jackman like attractive until like this movie so weird yeah (laughs) interesting maybe it's just that he's younger in this than other maybe it's that he seems to attend to all women's needs concurrently just any woman in the room is swooning (laughs) yeah i think that was it (laughs) yeah well nia i know that um you are actually a bit too young to drink and also i don't think that we've properly introduced this movie either way because we've told no one what we've watched (laughs) (laughs) up until this point it's been a mystery people are googling hugh jackman (laughs) rom-com magical elements question mark albany 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 duke (laughs) what did Um, we watch who knows? Google failed them. <laughs> I'll tell you. We watched Kate and Leopold. And <laughs> I decided this week, Chelsea, that we were not going to actually have a cocktail to drink along with this in a traditional sense. It's not a mixed drink. I feel it's like... It's just straight vermouth. <laughs> oh, God. No, absinthe. That's the one I wanted. It's just straight absinthe. Aren't those both strong? I don't know anything about alcohol. Uh, to be clear, Nia, I am old enough to partake in adult beverages, but I don't know anything about alcohol. So. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I was just going to say that the drink was going to be just a beautiful glass of wine because they're constantly ordering like fancy bottles of wine throughout the movie. You know, like They're saying the vintage of the wine and everything so i was just gonna say it would be your choice of wine but now chelsea's turned the tables and y'all mofo's gotta start drinking absinthe and if you don't want to drink it you can smoke it 
You can smoke absinthe? Okay, Chelsea, this is how you do this. What you do, oh. I've only seen this done. I have not, I, I've never tried absinthe because I've seen what it does to people who do partake, and I don't want that to become my life. Um, so what you do is you take a glass and you pour, um, absinthe is a very viscous liquid. Uh, usually the way that you would traditionally prepare it is you would have a glass with absinthe in it and then you would have a slotted spoon over the top of it. You would put a sugar cube on top of that and slowly drip water over the sugar cube and so it dissolves the sugar cube and the water dilutes the absinthe and it becomes sort of like a milky color. And for anyone who doesn't know, absinthe tastes like licorice. Um, so you only drink it if you hate yourself. Um, but if you didn't want to do that, what you can do is you take a heat proof glass and you pour some absinthe into it. And again, it's very viscous. And then you swirl it around the glass. So it coats it. And you have to do this very quickly. You... Light it on fire, immediately pour out the rest of the absinthe that wasn't coating the glass, and then you trap it with, you trap like the vapors with a coaster underneath the glass, and you suck out this like vapors of what you've just lit on fire, and then your chaser is usually like orange juice or some kind of juice that you've poured the remaining um, absinthe in when you lit it on fire um, and you do that as a chaser that is so much work it is i knew absinthe was green but after just <laughs> googling photos this feels very witchy <laughs> and i don't think i would like it but i now have to try it at some point you know what if we go to the poconos i will try it with you but absinthe at the Poconos <laughs> 2023. Oh God. How's your April looking? Um Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk I'll talk to you when we're done. Perfect. <laughs> Nia doesn't need to hear our travel plans. Uh, <laughs> but no, so I I suppose that we could in fact have absinthe, but if we were having absinthe prepared in the time period that Leopold was from, uh, we would likely die of wormwood poisoning. <laughs> you know, I, you are really jumping ahead to some of my like biggest like blocks when it comes to this movie. I haven't seen this in a very long time. Yeah. Um, and my my dad was the one that introduced me to this film because I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my father loves time travel. He will watch anything with time travel. And it does not matter what is going on. If there is time travel, he's like, I will watch it. I will watch it right now. Does so he really he enjoy time traveling wives? <laughs> There's a couple of them. There are. He's seen them all. And they're all Rachel McAdams. <laughs> He's yep. He's seen he's seen both the ones with Rachel McAdams. He's seen Outlander. He's seen he's seen this movie. He, like these are not things that were made with him in mind. But he's like, I time travel is his number one thing. That's his thing. You know, everybody's got a thing. That's my dad's. And so he was the one that introduced me to this movie. But I haven't seen it in probably more than ten years. Uh, so 
it was really interesting because I, I definitely had the plot, mm-hmm. the, the basic plot. But I'm as I'm remembering certain things, I'm like, I don't know that I can abide by any of the decisions that Meg Ryan makes in this film. Uh, but well, you know what? We'll get to that later. But my point is, you've just said dangerous to drink absinthe in 1876. And well, there might be some other problems with 1876. That's all I'm trying to get at. But but before we get there, you may have the basic plot, but perhaps our listeners don't. Because, Nia, unfortunately, some people come unprepared. They're yeah. listening before watching. You would never, you know, you, you showed up super prepared. Mm-hmm. Madison might. <laughs> Madison might. So... <laughs> Uh, For anyone who did not watch the movie, uh, here is just a brief recap. Uh, We have our main characters are Kate McKay, played by Meg Ryan. She is a marketing research analyst. We have Hugh Jackman playing Leopold, the Duke of Albany. We have Liev Schreiber uh, playing Kate McKay's ex in this. Uh, He plays Stuart Besser, and he is the one who discovers the time travel element in this movie. And then we also have the brother played by Brecken Meyer. um, That's Kate's brother, Charlie. Natasha Lyonne. Uh, I forgot that she was in this. She makes a beautiful cameo uh, playing Meg Ryan's assistant. And then we also have a a beautiful moment where we get to re-see store brand Stanley Tucci. I know. Store brand Stanley Tucci, a.k.a. Bradley Whitford, makes his his second appearance on the pod. I know. I know. It's great. And I will say, too, briefly, that we had a true amazing cameo. Chelsea, did you catch what I'm talking about? Yes. Are you talking about the most recent EGOT, a.k.a. Viola Davis, playing a policewoman? (laughs) Correct. Leopold a ticket for not picking up the Bart's shit on the street? I want to clarify that Bart was a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Exactly. That's exactly who I'm talking about. Okay. So exciting. <laughs> so we have Meg Ryan playing Kate. So Kate and her uh, actor brother, they're living in New York City in the 21st century. But that's not where we start out. We start out back in 1876, where there is a grand ball going on. But before we get to the ball, we also have the beautiful unveiling of... Well, what I would say is the greatest direction that we've seen in any film of of a bridge. Mm. Yes. Okay. That joke <laughs> fell so flat. This is really the wrong crowd for that joke. I Madison. know. <laughs> I know. We cut to Hugh Jackman chasing... The character Stuart, because he's like, who is this guy? I keep seeing him. What is he doing? He catches him looking through. Uh, Hugh Jackman catches Stuart. And Nia, you should know that we use the actors' names and the characters' names interchangeably. It just depends on which one I remember at the moment. I do that too, so. (laughs) Perfect. Leopold catches Stuart, rifling through his potential inventions and everything, and then... One thing leads to another. They're both falling through a time hole. 
And suddenly, uh, the 1876 Duke is now laying on the couch of a 21st century man. And it all comes out that Stuart has realized that time travel exists if you can locate the rips in the fabric of time where they may overlap. Well, the result of this was Leopold was the inventor of what essentially became the elevator, the pulley system that created elevators. So once he was brought into the 21st century before his creation was finished, all of the elevators stop working, disappear, are gone. So Stewart's quickly moved out of the initial storyline. He sort of sets everything up. But he falls down an elevator shaft. He doesn't die. But uh, when he keeps insisting that he has to leave the hospital to try to repair uh, this miscalculation and ruining of the time sequence, they think that he's crazy. Understandably so. (sighs) So he's shifted to the side of the story. And that allows Leopold and Kate to meet and fall in love through a series of gaffes and beautiful moments they come together in romance he does a margarine commercial for her and talks about fresh creamery butter and he also helps her loser brother land a girl and also become a better version of himself but ultimately you know that it's time for him to go back in time because we have to have elevators in New York City, and probably everywhere else. Honestly, that's one sticking point. We'll get to that. So he goes back to his time through the same rip that he fell into originally. And then Kate realizes she can't live without him. And she jumps into, and now they're living in 1876 and they're getting married the end. It's kind of oversimplifying, but you can watch the movie and get a lot more out of it. Also, the director of this film, I do want to point out, is James Mangold. And he's an American film and TV director. He's also a screenwriter and a producer. He directed Girl Interrupted in 1999, Walk the Line in 2005. Uh, He also did 2013 uh, Wolverine, 2017 Logan. So basically, he's just a huge, huge Jackman stan. He also (laughs) was an executive producer on The Greatest Showman. So I think he just actually kind of thinks that Hugh Jackman is kind of hot like the rest of us so he just keeps funding projects so he can see him on the big screen well now that we've gotten the plot and the director out of the way initial impressions Nia this was your first go around so we're gonna start with you okay well at the beginning it was kind of um boring (laughs) and there wasn't really a lot of like I didn't see a lot of romance and I was kind of like I don't know annoyed with the characters and then I feel like the romance came out of nowhere (laughs) but I did I know it sounds like I didn't like it but I did so I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I just I felt like some of the romance was a bit I don't like out of left field or something I don't know which could impact its later scores in our analysis Nia, could it be because in this movie, Meg Ryan is sporting a very shaggy, choppy haircut that makes her look like Shane from the L word? (laughs) And you're just like, "Mm, I don't feel like she'd like Leopold. Because 
that and the fact that she was just like oh my god i hate men at the beginning and then just like out of nowhere he did the commercial for her and she was like you know what i kind of like this guy it just i don't know it felt random to me do you think it's the number of times that he said fresh creamery butter (laughs) like did that just slowly wear her down probably yeah i think so I think it was him making her the toast. Not only did he rig the um, toaster to where you didn't have to push it down like one and a half times. He's like, it wasn't toast enough the first time. And then it over toasted the second time. And she's like, yeah, that's literally just how toasters work, which is true. That is exactly how toasters work. And no one can tell me otherwise. I do that with <laughs> Pop-Tarts too. It's not exclusively toast. Um which, by the way, quick side note, what is everybody's favorite Pop-Tart? The cinnamon one? I oh. like the cookies and cream one. I'm a wild berry bitch. I also like wild berry. I don't know that I've ever had wild berry. I'll mail you some. I've had <laughs> strawberry and I've had blueberry. The wild berry, it'll shock your system. It's so good. You'll dream of it. Is that the ones? Okay, there's this clip of an interview online I don't even know who's being interviewed I've seen it on TikTok where they're talking about Pop-Tarts and he's like the Spider-Man Pop-Tarts and I thought he said those were called Wildberry maybe they were called something else but I do remember the Pop-Tarts I didn't have them but I do remember them when like I think they were in the era of Tobey Maguire Spider-Man yeah they were promotional Pop-Tart when he described them, I was like, oh, yes, I, I know what Pop-Tart he's talking about. But anyway. I think so because the um, I have some right now. I'm not currently in front of me, but I do possess some Wildberry Pop-Tarts uh, at this moment. And the icing is blue and then it has sort of like a purpley pink kind of like drizzle stripe yeah. situation on it so i think for that promo they just changed the color of that drizzly stripe to red i distinctly remember exactly what you're talking about and yes i do believe those were wild berry but regardless it takes a turn and a half and you could say madison just turn up your toaster setting no because then it's wrong yeah then it doesn't taste right it's not properly toasted so he fixes the toaster to where it automatically does a turn and a half and he makes her fancy toast with like mascarpone and strawberries and you know what he's hugh he's hugh jackman too i almost said hugh grant for a (laughs) fourth time madison really doesn't know hugh we're talking about (laughs) I made that joke earlier, but we were all talking, so I think it's going to get cut out. So I wanted to slap it back in. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. Oh, God. Um, is it too is it too early for an ad break to say that uh, this podcast is brought to you by Chelsea's Genius and would not exist without it? Mm-hmm. So kind. Thank you. She has to keep me in good spirits because... I'll just say, you know what? This is BS at any time (laughs) and I'll walk. I think she's really worried. I also get really nervous on guest episodes because you see the greater potential out there. You know, like you just take one look at Nia. She opens her mouth and you're like, you know what? That's a new host. (laughs) 
It's true. It's true. As we've said previously, I have to invite you as a guest on this software. So maybe <laughs> next true. time I'll just invite Nia. I won't. I don't need you. Exactly. And uh, I, I would understand. My feelings wouldn't even be hurt. Like I would. I would feel disappointed, but in myself, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel really in the middle here. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's perfectly okay. So I do want to know though, once you get to the romance part in this movie, which does take a while because it does have some kind of weird pacing issues to it. Did you feel like you could, once the romance was established, do you feel like if you kind of push away the part where it felt like it came out of left field, could you get into it or was it just coming into left out of left field? Did it feel like it wasn't believable throughout? No, I, I definitely uh, believe the romance. I always say like as a gay woman, you know, if I can ship a straight couple, then it's like, it's a good couple. So, (laughs) so I felt like it was a good couple because I did start to ship them. So Yeah. (laughs) That is amazing. I now just want you to start listing out all of the straight couples that are not believable in films. Oh God, I don't even all know. of them. <laughs> Pretty much, there's a there's a select few. <laughs> this is why I have said multiple times on this show that gay romance is just written better. Mm-hmm. Do you know why that is, Madison? Because um, there's less opportunity for overt sexism that and specifically with like sapphic pairings Uh the communication within the relationship is just so much better and so the conflict that you get to witness is just more interesting because they're actually like talking about like you're like oh shit you know whereas like i feel like every rom-com it's all about miscommunication And I'm like, just fucking talk to each other. Like, this is, I'm mad because you're just bad at being in a relationship. It's not, like, none of this is interesting to me. Why did I immediately flash to that show um, about featuring and about, loosely, about uh, Mae Martin that you had me watch? Feel good. Yes. It just immediately flashed there. Or think about, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a sapphic no, because like look at heartstopper yeah for instance the uh, charlie is not as good at communication <laughs> as nick is and i think that's because olivia coleman exists right but i i think that that's completely true and i think the crux of it is you have chelsea uh i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you to the punch again on something and i'm gonna bring up buffy before you do. <laughs> this is I don't know whether I- to be proud or mad. <laughs> I was about to say, I think this might be what gets me kicked off of the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've had- Make it good, Madison. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we've had discussions before that um, with Xander's character, Xander embodies the toxic masculinity in the show until other male figures in the show are able to step in and take that role. And then he's relieved of it. Uh, and I feel like a lot of times in heteronormative romantic comedies, you don't really see that happen 
unless the toxic masculinity is embodied in another character, like the brother's character takes it on in this role. So Leopold is relieved of that. Um, And I think too, one thing that I feel like made the romance a bit difficult to slip into other than um, (laughs) her haircut (laughs) is the fact that, And she plays this role a lot, I feel like. Uh, Meg Ryan is very uh, pigeonholed in the career woman ideal of she doesn't have time for dating. She doesn't have time for relationships. And to be fair, um, to give her character credit in this, she is one month out of a four-year relationship. But it sounds like they just sort of did their own thing. Occasionally came together. And I've said before on the podcast that I never want to live with anybody because I don't want them to like use my pans and mess them up. That would devastate me. But I also don't want them to tell me that I have to fold laundry Mm -hmm. because that's just hateful. So, but if we're looking at this in very traditional means, if they were together for four years you would expect them in this kind of setting to have moved in together yeah and they were living separately i mean there's no way in hell that she was gonna have an apartment right above his you know in the same building if they just broke up and she had to go get an apartment or he had to go get an apartment they wouldn't decide to move in the same building together that'd be weird after a breakup i feel like the other element was It was a really sudden shift from career woman to Mm -hmm. jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge to go be with a man in the 1870s. Yeah, that she barely knew. Yeah. I also, here's the other thing. They discuss this a bit in Outlander. So Chelsea, uh, your dad could relate to me on this one. Um, But in one of the later seasons of Outlander, at one point... The main character, Claire, is talking about how she wished that she could bring more shit back with her from the present. Because she's from like the 1950. Well, at that point, I think it was the 60s. She was like, oh, I wish I had aspirin. I miss showers. And obviously she she jumped back a lot further than Kate did. But I would hate to only have 23 minutes to prepare because I'd be like, all right, I have to pack this and this and this. I have to go buy, I have to go rob a pharmacy. I need antibiotics. Like I need all of this shit. I have to go get so many bars of deodorant. I'd just be jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge with like two giant ass (laughs) duffel bags. Mm -hmm. So Nia, if you only had... Let's bump you up to 30 minutes. If you had 30 minutes before you had to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge into the 1800s, what three items are you making sure that you bring? Well, I I can't really see myself in this situation, but if I had to be in this situation, I feel like saying my phone is like cheating. (laughs) Um, Well, you wouldn't have any service. It'd also be eventually it's going to die because... Even if you bring your charger with you, I I don't think that electrical outlets work the same way in 1876 That's true. as they do 
now so it might be difficult to charge your devices because let me tell you I was like I'm bringing Alberto with me who for those of you that don't know that's my espresso machine <laughs> um but I he wouldn't work <laughs> yeah well then you should fire him is he is he like union union up is he unionized or with the other appliances yeah 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 Oh wow! Then you're you're gonna have to go to the negotiation table. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna need one of those press ones, so it's all manual. Oh, but I don't have one currently, and I don't know where I'd find one in thirty minutes. Exactly. That's the thing. I guess I'm not drinking coffee in 1870. Whatever. They also don't have oat milk. Um, that's gonna be a real problem. <laughs> that's so homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> You could probably make your own. Probably. And then they'd burn you for witchcraft. I know it's the probably, 1870s yeah. and they're probably not really concerned about witchcraft. It'll be a second witchcraft. coming of the witch trials just because <laughs> I made oat milk, you know? <laughs> Look, okay. Look, we're already on the topic. So I just, for the record, want to say that this is ridiculous. I, I think when I watched this the first time, I was like, oh, yeah, how nice. But this is like the inverted version of a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> in that instead of the woman from the big city going home for the holidays and just staying there, a man from the eight, uh, 19th century comes to the big city and then she follows him back. It's the same plot. It's just a different flavor. You know what I mean? Number one, the first thing I thought was, Okay, she's follow not only is she following a man blindly into this life, but she's going back in time far enough that she, you know, even as a white woman, she doesn't have the right to vote. That's not gonna happen for another 44 years. And if she goes back to England with him, then she'll probably get it at least in 42 years. But, you know, so that's not great. Also, what the fuck is she gonna do? She you're telling me this woman is like a huge career person and he, like just literally just got a promotion to senior vice president of her entire firm and what is she gonna do join a sewing circle like what is she gonna do in 1876 well my thought was like maybe she could be one of those philanthropic ladies who's like constantly doing philanthropy but they don't have money i will no that's the thing they can't okay and this brings me to another point so then i started thinking about modern conveniences right what about running water, indoor plumbing? It does it 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 would have existed, but it's not prevalent the way it is now. Like now, everywhere there's a bathroom, right? Um, and as you pointed out, he, the whole reason he's getting married is because they're broke, so yeah. he needs to. So it's not like even like if they were rich, he could build her a toilet, and wouldn't that be lovely? Except he doesn't have toilet money. Okay, <laughs> he doesn't have toilet money. <laughs> So she's going to have to use an outhouse. And that is just, I'm sorry, but no, thank you. I, I'm marrying a Duke. I didn't sign up to like permanently camp. I don't want to like wander out in my floor length nightgown in the middle of the night to find the outhouse. That's stupid. It's so, so stupid. She's not going to have penicillin. She's not going to like, oh my God. I don't even want to think about, uh, menstruation in 1876 like no thank you like all of this I'm like no no this is why this is why literally no one but white cis heterosexual men can time travel because it's just bad for everyone else like it's just bad it's just bad so no I no absolutely absolutely not also 
the electric light bulb literally was invented that same year. So fire hazards, like <laughs> lighting is going to be terrible. Yeah, I just, I just, this is just bad all around. So I, this is where I'm sorry. I don't care how much I love you, but <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to live in 1876. It's not happening. I, I think, and, and she has no way back. It's not even like, like, as we've pointed out, they've been together for less than a week. Uh, and the next portal's not going to open up until like 20 years or something like that. So yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. I, mm -mm, this is not for me. (laughs) No. So you would actually support the tagline for the movie, which was if they lived in the same century, they'd be perfect for each other. I mean, yeah, sure. But they don't. So they're not perfect for each other. They don't. So I'll give you a preview to one of my fixes for this movie is that instead of, instead of continuing this uh, trend, this movie's not the only one. As I said, this is basically the inverted version of a, or not an inverted, but like a different flavor of the Hallmark movies where she moves back home to like bake gingerbread cookies. Yeah. Um, in this version, like she's, the woman is still asked to do, to change everything about her life in order to, ha- to have the perfect man. And do you know what relationships are about? They're about compromise. And communication. So how about, how about we let him go back in time to invent the elevator and then he can just come to modern day New York City. I think that's a much better plan. She doesn't have to stay at her job if she doesn't want to, but I think she should be able to use tampons and, you know, go to the bathroom inside with a toilet without breaking the bank. That's, I, I don't think I'm asking a lot for this woman. I just think... You know, and she should be able to vote. Like, how about that? How about that? <laughs> so what you're saying is one thing that you would grab when you jump jump off the Brooklyn Bridge is several boxes of tamp, like a lifetime supply of tampons. Actually, no, because I, I don't think I could. It would be a lot to travel with. I would grab I would grab like five menstrual cups. Yeah. And then I'll have me set for the rest of my menstruating life. Well, I I actually, when you were talking about it, just to really get into the personal, um, I was thinking about it, I was like, well, I wouldn't have to really worry that much about tampons because I very, very rarely get a period at all with my IUD. Uh, And then I was like, my IUD will just be floating around in my uterus for the rest of my life and would probably cause me to eventually go into septic shock. Yeah. Yeah, and... They stop working after a while. I don't know what kind you have, and you don't have to disclose that here. But like, even I have a Kylina. It's the smallest <laughs> one. It's five years. Great. So it's gonna stop working, which means at the end of that, you're gonna have problems. And also, like you said, yeah, sepsis. So my point is, time travel's bad for everyone except for cishet white men, able-bodied yes. white men. Those are the only people that can time travel. Is it fair? No, but I don't make the rules. I once had a coworker ask me if you could time travel to like any time and take one person with you, what, like, where would you go? And I was like, well, the first question is, can I return to my time? <laughs> I feel like that's very important. I want to make sure yeah. that I can come back. And they're like, yeah, 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 you can come back. I was like, okay. 
And so I said, I want to go 50 years in the future. That way I can anticipate what kind of shit show everything is. And I want to bring along someone who can catalog this well. So I was like, because this was before she had died. I was like, I'll bring Joan Didion. She'll just write the shit out of it. It'll be great. And she was like, wow, that's the first time that I ever had someone say they wanted to go in the future. I'm like, then those people are not considering their options correctly. This film, in its essence, is creating that romantic, whimsical, historical romance novel like the one that Natasha Lyonne is reading at the beginning of the movie. Ooh, so, good catch. like, when people think about, you know, going back in time, I don't think, as an as a mental exercise, I don't really think people are sitting down and going, well, what things wouldn't I have that I currently have? They're picturing, like, look, I'm sure that there were a lot of views and things that we don't have around anymore because of, um, you know, industrialization and our capitalist hellscape. Yeah, the capitalist hellscape that we currently live in has destroyed a lot of really beautiful things. But that being said, okay, we get rid of that and you go back in time, but there's all these other things you're going to have to confront. And what it boils down to is that no matter when you live, there are problems. It's just which problems do you want? Um, I don't, I would like a toilet. That's number one. I would like running water. I don't even, yeah, that's, uh that's what I would like. Uh, I would like things to be hygienic and also air conditioning. I like air conditioning. Yeah. Granted, if they moved back to the UK, the climate, especially in the 19th century, probably not, you know, better. They did recently last summer have that, uh, you know, heat wave and nobody has air conditioning there because they don't usually need it. But, you know. If it makes you feel better, Chelsea, um, they did decide that since so many people died from heat exposure, that they would also make sure that an equal to greater amount of people would die from cold exposure uh, with the energy crisis that they have where people cannot heat their homes because it's too expensive. So I like that they're going for a real balance thing. You know, they must be a Libra because they are all about balance. (sighs) Anywho, (laughs) my point being the... Leopold himself represents like an idea more so than an actual human person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we see this when in both his interactions with Charlie at the bar where Charlie's just like, oh, I'm being funny. I'm cracking jokes. I'm not paying attention to the women I'm trying to woo at all. And completely missing the point. And then you also have JJ who does pay attention and knows that women like opera and and French and like these are impressive cultured things that would woo someone. But he doesn't actually have those interests and skills to back it up, which is why you have Leopold, you know, basically reading him for not ever having seen La Boheme or whatever opera they're talking mm-hmm. about. Um which is very funny. I did uh, enjoy that uh, when he's like, it's rarely performed in French as it's written in Italian. And uh, I thought of my sister, uh, you know, as a big musical opera performance person. But he 
he st- he is a a concept. He is the dream guy that is unattainable literally because he's not of this time. But also it ignores a lot of you know, yes, there are people that existed in all walks like all times that had progressive views, mm-hmm. but what we often just minimize is that this man probably wouldn't have been the wooing ladies man that he is in the 21st century because he i mean he does he makes a comment at the beginning of the film about her having a job in research and like being like oh yeah huh that's such a like that's such a man thing and we see this repeated with chart uh no jj we see this repeated with JJ, who makes some comment about her being like, you're like a man, but not. Like, you skew male, but, you know, like, you understand women. Which, what kind of, I don't understand what that complimented. Also, he is gross, and we should talk mm-hmm. about him. But, oh, yeah. yeah. I So, the point is, is that he just doesn't exist, but we can forget the reality when we have romance stories set in the past, because it's more about capturing the like chivalry and things that don't we don't see the same way anymore and not so much about the specifics of well you like wouldn't be able to do anything except for like work in your home and have children like you know what I mean and so it's a romantic idea but it's not a realistic idea yeah also, I'm pretty sure that uh, that was really the heyday of, you know, women having giving birth in a hospital where the doctor just like pulled his hands out of a corpse for an autopsy and just shoved them inside of the woman to pull the baby out. Um, you know, just a little puerperal fever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Plus, not to mention that domestic violence uh would have been a lot more prevalent men beat their wives all the time these are not see but it's unsexy to talk about any of these things we're spoiling people's fun you know so that's why i think really the answer to any of this is either have a contemporary romance where you try and push back against some of these like toxic masculine traits or toxic relationships and actually have your characters talk to each other mm-hmm. or have a fantasy romance where the aesthetic can be very much the you know sweeping on the moors type thing you can have a princess but have it just be in a fantasy realm where you know it's a matriarchy i don't know like be, have so, fun with it so you're saying that this film would not be improved by one of my proposed fixes of just having him come from the oregon trail Um, can I ask why you want him to come from the Oregon Trail? Just because I felt like it would be a beautiful moment for them to both die together of dysentery. Holding hands like in the notebook. Correct. Exactly. (laughs) they shit outside because there are no toilets. (laughs) And they would be shitting a lot because they have dysentery. (laughs) Do you you have a, a preference of what time frame you would want them to go back to if you could choose um well I was thinking about it and like if we, I was thinking about like if I had to go back in time 
their treatment for like mental health was like lobotomies and I'm not really like into that so <laughs> I was put that thinking, on a t-shirt <laughs> I'm not really into lobotomies <laughs> I would think present time um but like I don't like how I don't know I would say present time yeah so do we think that maybe we just have him be way less important in the past where he can yeah. just blip out and no one cares and then have him brought forth and she can, they could do their own thing together? Yeah. You know what I would like? Have him be less important, but have him be involved with like some kind of early social activism that was then later covered up by the government and he's coming forth with like the original ideas that are actually going to save us from the capitalist hellscape that we live in, for example. And then they can like go on to be this like super incredible activist power couple. I think that would be like a fun time. You know what I mean? And then yeah. like, because also then you have him grapple with like, oh gosh, like the things that we wanted not only didn't come to fruition, but like our nightmare did and then have him be able to still be a part of that movement going forward. You know, I feel like that could be fun. I feel like it could be fun. Like Do you that. have a proposed movement? Yeah, I think we should address uh, like capitalism is what I, I mean, I feel like that would be maybe not so sexy, but you know, <laughs> instead of having the CIA cup cover up all of the, <clears throat> communist stuff and create propaganda in order to scare everybody about something that they shouldn't have been scared about in, 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 at all you know I want to just move him forward in time enough to where it's like the real advent of widespread plastic mm, and have him go. figure out how to create plastic like something to break down plastic so it doesn't stay forever in our landfills polluting our earth and our oceans i feel like the problem with this fix and this is why i don't like rom-coms is because they have to be like i don't want to say fluffy i'm not trying to belittle the rom-com i know i don't like them but i you know but i think you can't have any real conflict because that requires you to take the issue seriously yeah. so maybe instead we just have him be unimportant but he brings with him knowledge about skills that currently we see people online trying to get back to a lot of people have got into like crafting and things like that or home like um farming uh you know sustainable things like that partially because mass marketing of things creates a lot of co2 emissions and waste that ends up in landfills and things like that but if he brings forward some of these skills that we've lost or is just more knowledgeable about them than people and he can you know teach people and then they do have a sewing circle but it's a 21st century sewing circle and I think that can be a lot better I'm sorry I'm just picturing Hugh Jackman as Leopold as a urban farming uh, or, or urban agriculture homesteading influencer and but he that's just wears funny it is <laughs> it's a it's a comedy that's funny see it works and she knows and she would know how to market it she would know how to have it appeal to a widespread you know, there'd be so many more bees in new york 
so much more pollination. Exactly. Exactly. So see, I think that's just better. Okay. But I do want to say that all like if, if someone time travels and they are in a foreign future, mm-hmm. that all tours of that future should be given by a dog. <laughs> because here's the thing. Bart, as his tour guide of 21st century New York City, is honestly perfect. Because Bart doesn't have a agenda for anyone but himself, mm-hmm. but... That's not promoting anything. He's just, I want to go on a walk (laughs) and allows, he basically is taking Leopold for a walk and he's allowing Leopold (laughs) to discover the things they're walking by. And so Leopold sees, yes, he eventually gets to the Brooklyn Bridge and he's like, oh my gosh, whoever's erection, which is how he phrases it, still stands. Like, (laughs) Um, But along the way, he sees so many different parts of New York City, whereas if a person was leading him around, a person would think too much. They would be like, these are the important things I have to show you. The dog is like, I just want to smell things. So (laughs) honestly, let dogs be tour guides of new places. I think that's perfect. And honestly, would you? uh, people would pay for that. Take this dog on a – you pay me to take this dog on a walk. (laughs) Also, I do want to note that if your erection is standing for over 120 years, you probably should see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Again, oh, it's God. not the joke for this group. <laughs> good joke. Good joke. Thank you, Nia. <laughs> That's why I brought her on. She can be my hype woman. So, Nia... Did you have a favorite element of this movie? Was there something that you're like, wow, they did that really well? Uh, Hugh Jackman. Just it, as cast in the mm-hmm. casting or okay. Or just as himself. He just mm-hmm. really hit it out of the park being him. He was the best part of the movie. <laughs> That's fair. And what was the worst part? I want to say the ending or like the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> the middle was fine. I, yeah, I liked the middle. Um, but the beginning felt like it was too long and the ending felt rushed. Um, Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It definitely had some major pacing issues. I would introduce, I don't know. There's part of me that kind of liked the delay and the wooing because it felt like he actually got to know her a bit better. Right. Uh, and it made his character more endearing. But at the same time, it was really shoehorned in there of like, mm-hmm. I now declare my intentions and she confirms her intention. My intentions are accepted via facts. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, Chelsea, I don't know if you noticed, but um, I did ask the studio to put in fax machines in our boxes uh, so we can fax one another. But unfortunately there is not enough room because the only fax machines we could find were from 1993 and they are Mm -hmm. massive. Yeah. So unfortunately I will not be faxing you. (laughs) You know, it wasn't part of Kim Possible's thing. You know, it's call me, beat me. If you want to reach me, she said nothing about faxes. That's fair. (laughs) You still have your pager. I can still beep you. Yeah. Those are small, you know, they're like credit card sized essentially thicker but you know (laughs) i like to i like to page chelsea uh from you know my box to her box like we're on a medical show 
be like, oh no, we have sh- we have a ruptured ornithology in room one. We need three stats of O2 pronto. I don't know what any of that means. It's also <laughs> yeah. really difficult to page that much because it's limited. You know, you can't actually yeah. send all of that. So you have to send it in pieces. It's a whole thing. <laughs> I have a question for both of you. Do you think that Stuart's epiphany in the, like when they're on their way to talk to Kate uh, about time being a pretzel was the precursor to Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc saying that the mystery was a donut hole within a donut hole. And for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to read you both monologues right now. Oh, perfect. All right. So in this film, Kate and Leopold, Stuart is talking about time travel. And he says, this whole time, I thought I had pretzeled fate and that it had to be untwisted. What I never considered is that the whole thing is a pretzel, a beautiful 4D pretzel of kismetic ev- inevitability. Okay. Benoit Blanc in Knives Out from 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the accent. <laughs> I spoke in the car <laughs> about the hole. And the- <laughs> I have to go down. <laughs> yeah, you have, to, you have to go down okay. an octave. Oh. I spoke in the car about a hole in the center of this donut. And what you and Harlan did that fateful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in a donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see that donut hole has a hole in its center. It's not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not a hole at all. obviously this is the prequel yeah i just think food analogies are both funny and yeah no they're just funny and i think they should be included more often in film no matter the genre i think they're also always slightly terrible and that's what Mm -hmm. i love about them too but no 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 no. this is what it does right Because if you and I are having a conversation, if I haven't had time to think of an analogy, it's whatever I'm thinking of on the spot. And I think what food metaphors or analogies do in film, it allows you to be like, yeah, that's the kind of thing I could have come up with. Instead of something that's like pristine and written in a writer's room, like Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of ridiculousness to it that just feels very comforting. Mm -hmm. And because what is food if not comforting? That's very true. And that's why we're so glad to introduce our first official sponsor. I'm just kidding. We don't have one of those meal kit sponsors yet, but maybe in the future. Um, I I feel like Stuart, it's weird because Stuart feels like such a side character for most of the movie. I mean, the majority of the movie, he is not there because he is in the hospital. Um, but he has the best monologues of the movie. <laughs> He should yeah. have been in the movie more. That's. Can we get into fixes? Can I say more? Fi- I already said one fix. Yeah. Um, I think that Stuart should be in the movie more. But also, I'd like to point out, <laughs> in case it escaped anyone, Stuart is Kate's ex boyfriend. And mm-hmm. do you know who Leopold is? Leopold is Stuart's great, great, great grandfather. Do you know who that makes Kate? Do you know who that makes Kate? Ew. Did no one think that through? No. He fucked his great, great, great grandmother. So 
My fix to that is let him be her roommate or her neighbor or her like her friend that she's close to. He's a weird, wacky guy that's like time travel. He doesn't need to. Why does he need to be her boyfriend? Because literally it has no bearing on the story. If you changed, all you need in this story is for them to have some kind of relationship, for them to be in each other's lives. He does not need to be her boyfriend. Of four years. Of four years in the 21st century. So you know that, well, yeah, he slept with his great, great, great grandmother. Okay, one, it's bad. It's already really bad. But can I say that it's made worse by the fact that it's not more greats? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not removed enough. It's still it's, bad. It's really That's so gross. Ew. I mean, does that make Meg Ryan a gilf? <laughs> a gilf. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. I would like a story that's less incesty. And here's the thing, I think a lot of people will have missed that detail, but the thing is the writers wrote that down. So they knew that's disgusting. That's so gross. At penalty box for the writers on this one. <laughs> yes, yes. They don't The incest penalty box. <laughs> Why does that box have to exist? I, I feel hate like... that box. <laughs> I hate that box. <laughs> uh, well, it's not nearly as nice as the box that you're in with us in the studio because as everyone knows, um, Chelsea and I are obligated to stay in our boxes and record 24-7. Um, per the network and uh, Nia just had a day pass in the box so she's got refreshments in her box Mm -hmm. Capri Suns (laughs) name brand Mm -hmm. unlike the Stanley Tucci we have in this film no okay so yes let's get into the fact that we have store-bought Stanley Tucci he is gross he is obviously into her but he's like he kisses her on the nape of her neck when they're leaving someplace. I thought he was sniffing her. I'm sorry. I genuinely thought he was just sniffing her. Well, either way, it's gross, but I'm pretty sure he kissed the back of her head or the nape of her neck or something. And then she, after the after he uh, Leopold auditions for the butter commercial, he, he I'm sorry, he takes you said your, that wrong. Could you please say the fresh? Fr- I'll correct myself. I'm so sorry. After Leopold auditions for the fresh creamery butter commercial, store brand Stanley Tucci asks her straight up, are you sleeping with him? Which is so inappropriate for a number of reasons. First of all, regardless of his relationship to her, he's not sleeping with her. So it's none of your goddamn business. Secondly, he is her boss, which means... Oh, so many lines are being crossed. And thirdly, it's very clear that this outing, this dinner that they're at, is so that he can ask her on a date or it is a date. And he's her boss. And yeah, I just, he's a sleazeball and I don't like him. Yeah, it's so gross. I I, I think that was honestly probably 
my favorite scene was when Hugh Jackman came in and stepped in and basically just wiped the floor with his ass. <laughs> that was amazing. That was, to me, that was more romantic than the rooftop dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is it is it too soon to discuss if this even is a rom-com? I don't think so. I think uh, we, we, we have to do it. So Nia, as you may know or may not, we have a set of criteria that we judge films by to determine whether they are or are not a romantic comedy. Um, what you should also know uh, is that we've watched exactly one romantic comedy this season. This is the seventh episode, and we've only watched one other romantic comedy. So it's uh, it's dry out here in the desert, if you know what I mean. Um, <clears throat> those criteria are as follows. <clears throat> Do they date? Are there moments in which the romantic couple in the film come together, their relationships grows, you see a romance blossoming? So these can be through actual dates or just moments that they spend together, conversations that they have. Okay. Number two, did we, the audience, laugh? If we didn't actually laugh, are there setups for jokes, physical comedy, can you see through the writing that there was an intention for it to be comical, whether or not that was successful? Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, is love in the driver's seat? This is specifically romantic love. Is that what is propelling the plot forward and the most important, you know, movement of the plot being the, the romantic love of the story? So, number one, people, do they date? Nia? Yes. Can you elaborate? Um, <laughs> there isn't a lot of dating scenes, but they do the rooftop dinner and then uh, they walk around New York for a while. That's about it, though, I think. Madison? I would also argue that the scene where he agrees to continue the but the fresh creamery butter commercial um, that I would consider to roll into this element as well, because there's a moment of deepening relationship. Although my favorite uh, moment of the do they date category is actually when they're sitting out on the fire escape and she's detailing the routine of the man who lives across the street and how he oh, listens yeah. to the breakfast at Tiffany's soundtrack and they're just having this really quiet moment together I really enjoyed that because you don't see a lot of those moments in romantic comedies that feel like very normal life that's something that that happens in a relationship and it can seem mundane, but those moments are the most special. And so I'm mm -hmm. glad that we had a movie like this that really captured that well. I think we see him taking care of her the way that a partner would trying to make her life easier, fixing the toaster, for example. Um, and I think all of those I would consider part of do they date. I think it's clear that he is trying to make her life easier, you know, um, and supporting her in a way that a partner should mm -hmm. uh, and all the other things that have you, you both have said. So I would say this gets a big fat check for do they date. 
Did we laugh though? I didn't laugh at all of the things that were supposed to be funny, but I could tell that it they were trying to be funny. And I think I I think I let out a chuckle a few times. So yes. <laughs> yeah, the humor I would say isn't like crazy prominent in this mm-hmm. because there's no attempt at like slapstick sort of stuff. Oops. Sorry, this is post-production Madison letting you know that unfortunately due to an unexpected technical glitch, we ended up losing about the last 30 minutes of the original audio for this recording. As a result, we lost our analysis on the rom comitude of this flick as well as our watchability score. I guess cliff note version, it was a rom-com, it was a 4.5. We liked it, we thought it was great, you should definitely check it out if you haven't, but... We will be watching Always Be My Maybe featuring Ali Wong and Randall Park next week. And we will also be joined by another guest next week, our amazing friend Amanda. She is so incredible. One of our biggest supporters here on the pod. Uh, She's also an incredibly talented poet. So if you want to check out her work before you tune in next week, you can find her work through Barnes & Noble, both online and in print. She has a book of poetry out currently called Her, and she will be releasing another one soon called Unrequited. She gave me the absolute luxury of reading an advanced reader's copy, if you will. And it is absolutely incredible. I mean, just hard hitting and gutting and honest and beautiful. And Amanda, I've been meaning to email you back. So just take this as my email that it was fucking awesome. So we'll be watching Always Be My Maybe next week with Amanda. But in the meantime, you know, hit us up on social media, on Instagram at love at first screening. You can email us at love at first screening at gmail.com. And in the meantime, I guess we'll just keep covering all the rom-coms you love, love to hate, and everything in between. So until next time.